Welcome to our guest segment. We're super excited to have him back. For those watching on the video feed, I've got the book up here. Give me liberty, not Marxism. Retired Lieutenant Colonel Robert McGinnis is here. Good to have you back with us, Bob. Uh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Jim. So I don't know if you heard any of my uh, opening segment, but uh, I wanted to start by saying this to you. Like I, we, we've never been like on the cons conspiracy bandwagon here that like COVID isn't real and people aren't really dying. I mean, that's all, that's all happening, but I kind of go to the Rahm Emanuel, you know, never let a crisis go to waste uh, type of uh, an understanding of this. And I was just sharing how so many businesses in my area are closed now because they don't have employees and all these uh, unemployment benefits, uh, mortgage and rent uh, moratoriums, $300 a month per child, uh, forbearance on student loans pushed out again. All these programs um, in your book is all about Marxism and communism. Is this sort of the starting stages of that uh, by way of this COVID relief? Yeah, I think it probably is, uh, Jim. You know, I, I listened to the last uh, I think most of your monologue. In fact, uh, I, when you talked about St. Augustine, my grandparents were from there. And so I'm quite familiar with uh, the description of the, the town you know, and the vaccination issue and, and how the hypocrisy is knee deep. You know, keep in mind, I, I wrote a book on the deeper state about yeah. globalism. I wrote a book about progressive evil, about what progressives have in mind. And all I see in you know, give me liberty, not Marxism, is a sort of a, a transition from progressivism, socialism, communism. That's all Marxism. Uh, it all has the, the roots in Marxism. And in what we are seeing living out before our very eyes are people, you know, seeking power, um, not that different than what Marx had in mind back when he wrote uh, in the Communist Manifesto or Das Kapital, uh, the man was incredibly anti-Christian, was incredibly uh, power hungry. And we saw that lived out in 1917 revolution when Lenin, you know, really, you know, kicked out uh, Nicholas, uh, the czar, and took over and uh, really put in place what communism was all about, total uh, control, totalitarianism, you know, control over the education, over the media, over government, and obviously 
trying to destroy any remnant of religion of any kind. Now, of course, they hated Christianity mostly because it was the predominant uh, religion in uh, Russia at the time. But these things are real. Um, you know, that's why I kind of gave you the litany of things that I've done over the numbers of years. I've got over 50 years working in Washington, and I still am very much involved in the bureaucracy, although I'm a contractor. I, In other words, I consult with you know officials. I tell them what I think they ought to do. And when I'm seeing the things that are being played out, whether they be in the White House under Mr. Biden and Ms. Harris or uh, whether or not they be in Beijing under President Xi uh, or some of the European Union activities and elsewhere, uh, I've seen some of this in the past historically. Uh, and I do believe that uh, there are th things very specifically designed uh, to empower uh, certain individuals. And that's why I try to chronicle those in, in past books. But this one, I wanted people to clearly understand that we are in a cultural revolution. Some people would call it a political revolution and otherwise. Uh, it's not that dissimilar from what happened in communist China in 1968 to 74. You know, they went after uh, a division. They used a division of people by class. Mao Zedong really garnered his authority and at the same time killed millions of people, displaced a lot, and imprisoned many. Uh, and it's interesting what they did in this country is over the last couple of years, uh, they begun to use something else to divide us, and of course that's race. And it's it's a made-up idea that fits into our culture because they just couldn't do it based upon classes. And so those things are, are, are some significance. And of course, you do have the globalists in there. You have the, the likes of the George Soros or you know, the, the people that are controlling large corporations uh, that are uh, really enriching themselves. And I know people will ask, well, is COVID-19, uh, Wuhan, uh, bio terrorism or bioweapon uh, created by the People's Republic of, of China and specifically the People's Liberation Army. And I would argue that probably there is a very high chance that that, that is in fact the case. And they, they certainly have taken advantage of uh, COVID-19 in ways that uh, we've seen historically in the past. And of course, it's, you know, you mentioned Rahm Emanuel, and no, they won't let one good crisis go to waste at all. And so they've, in, they've inspired fear across the country. They use the control, the masks that we all have to wear in certain places. And the vaccine issues are very serious. Uh, and I, and I, I, like you, um, I don't like you know, the CDC's uh, position. I certainly don't like the, the, the political manipulation that we're finding from the Biden administration and from many others. So there are so many things, you know, in the in the book, Give Me Liberty, Not Marxism. I say that there are in five chapters, there are a host of co-conspirators in the ongoing cultural revolution. And your listeners will probably not disagree. The Democratic Party and the litany of how they have been overtaken over the years by uh, essentially Marxist ideas. Certainly the communist Chinese who you know, not only manipulate our industry, 
our media, and much more, even our education establishment through Confucius Institutes and the like. Then, of course, you have public education, the teachers' unions, uh, and that goes back to the Frankfurt School uh, when we imported, thanks to John Dewey, a a well-known progressive in the mid-30s, we brought those Jewish professors that were all Marxists, and we planted them in our uh, teachers' colleges across the country, as well as in Hollywood and the mainstream media. And then, of course, you have a host of secret societies and, you know, the Bilderbergers and the like, and I go through some detail there. And then, of course, you know, as a Christian, I have no doubt that the same demons that we find in the Gospels that Jesus Christ talked about and ridded from, you know, people that were possessed. They still are alive and well, and Satan is, you know, manipulating a lot of what's going on uh, within the culture. And then finally, I go into some detail on uh, kind of the the surrogates of what's going on today, the BLMs, which of course is a Marxist institution, Antifa, which started in the 1920s in the Kremlin, and go through all that history. So you have to understand who are the people that are really poking the bear here? Who are the people that are really instilling uh, the fear, the manipulation, and so forth within the culture, and that are driving this cultural revolution? It's very real. It is, it's happening. It, we're seeing major transformation within the United States of America just in the past year and a half. And I believe that uh, unless there's some radical changes, uh, things are getting far worse than they are now. Yeah, and of course, if we look at uh, you know the history of Latin America and them trying uh, communism, which did not work out. I mean, one of the things that seems so apparent to me, and I've had this discussion with liberal friends before, when you read articles like that Chipotle is now paying the manager of a single Chipotle restaurant $100,000 a year, which I'm all for that. It's like, it's great that you're doing that. So I was having a discussion with one of my friends a couple months ago, and I said, how are they going to cover like all of these increases in wages in terms of the prices? And he goes, oh, they'll figure out a way to not have to raise prices. Well, then I talked to him uh, just recently, and the size of all the food portions have, have shrunk by about a third, I guess. And then the prices have gone up because you can't defy like the law of math. And when you look at all of this debt that we're taking on. I mean, it used to be that like a trillion dollars of debt being added was like a big thing. And now it's like it's just like a spending bill that we're going to pass through a backroom deal uh, of over a trillion dollars. It doesn't even really seem to mean anything. And then, you know, I I stopped eating meat six months ago because it's a health decision I made. But it was partly because when I walked up to the produce counter, and looked at the price of vegetables compared to like a little couple little pieces of chicken were getting to be $12, $11. And I was thinking, you know what? I mean, I could save a lot of money by not eating meat anymore. And maybe it's a good decision. This idea of inflation, all of this debt we're taking on, Bob, uh, we're and, and just looking at the interest on the debt, we're like into like uncharted territory with all of funding all of this and it looks like there's no end to these spending bills that they're calling infrastructure which really look more like a disguised new green deal yeah i i think you're absolutely right yeah as you know 
inflation is nothing more than a tax, and it's a tax on all of us. And it's, you know, we're we're feeling it in our pocketbooks, uh, in spite of the fact that, um, you know, they we are subsidizing people not to work, which, as you alluded to in your monologue. Uh, is creating major problems around this country, getting services delivered, getting simple things done. Uh, and, and that's a travesty. And of course, that would make the founders of this country roll in their graves. Uh, this is, this is such a tragic situation that has been put together by design, whether it's, you know, the, the mess at the border, uh, thanks to, uh, Mr. Biden's decision to rescind you know, executive orders and to not enforce the law. Even COVID positive uh, or, people, Bob, being led across the border. Absolutely. Unreal. Well, I, and I find that, you know, I, I write my senators, my Virginia senators, Kane and Warner, once a week on that very issue. And I just bring up what's the latest uh, stats, you know, what are the American people saying about it, and why in the world? Are you allowing, as I understand, something like 16 percent of the last figure that comes to mind of those that were immigrating, I think, this past week uh, were believed to be COVID positive? And at the same time, they're pushing vaccines, uh, which are not FDA approved, on people that have good reason to suspect them. And they're forcing us all to go back a mask. And yet we're flooding our country with people that we know are contaminated. So uh, obviously things are, are just upside down and we have governance that uh, is not paying attention to what the, the rule of law says and what the American people you know, who put them in these positions uh, would insist. Now, there, there's obviously another argument about problems with elections and the like. Uh, all of these issues are no doubt causing many of us uh, to become and really question uh, the direction that we are going and how we're going to pull ourselves out of this uh, rather dismal looking situation. It was a really interesting kind of uh, chess move to watch what was happening in Cuba. And, uh, you know, being a Floridian, I, I've always loved the Cuban people and they're the most wonderful people. And I've gotten to know a lot of Cuban people over the years. And uh, it's just such a tragedy what has happened to that island, which is so beautiful, has so much to offer uh, and was ruined by this big lie of Castro and what he was going to do. And that same lie was propagated throughout really all of Latin America. This lie of, of we're going to, you know, this populist idea of we're going to take from the rich and give to the poor and everybody's going to prosper and everything's going to be free. Uh, but it was funny because ironic, the Democrats kind of didn't know what to do. Because normally it would be our national policy to cheer on those people that were, uh, you know, marching in the streets and demanding the end to their uh, communism. And our our uh, Democrats didn't quite know what to do because those are the same policies they want to implement here. And my wife and I have had this discussion many times uh, over the years like, hey, well, once this happens and they implement this and they see that crime goes up, then they'll get rid of that policy. Or once they implement this fiscal policy and they see how terribly it fails, then they're going to change that policy. So we were sort of banking on the idea of of, you know, liberals kind of trying some of these crazy things. And when they failed, 
then they would back off from them. But they double down and triple down like what's happening in San Francisco where they're no longer enforcing like shoplifting unless it's over a thousand dollars. So I guess if you want to steal five thousand dollars of stuff, you just go to five different stores and get the stuff. You don't get it all from one uh, store. This is, but and we thought, well, what's once Walgreens pulls out and Target is pulling out, they'll stop this. But they don't. It, it, it does your book talk about this sort of disconnect between like the real practice of these things not working out and the fact that that doesn't seem to change the minds of liberals. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you, you mentioned uh, Havana and Cuba, and I can just see the. Cubans, you know, saying, give me liberty, not Marxism, yeah. because they've experienced since the 50s, uh, the likes of Castro and his brother and the regime and how you know, using testimonies from people that escaped from there as to how insidious uh, this ideology is. And, and you know, I, I argue in there and I give plenty of evidence that, you know, from from the very beginning of the 1848s. And of course, you can argue that this communism you know, goes back much further, French Revolution and so forth. Uh, but. Marx was was an incredibly evil person, and his ideology that has permeated you know countries like the Soviet Union, which in fact I visited many years ago, uh, that it has infiltrated, and it's uh, just just classically demonic. You know, I I think of what you know, Marx's own family. Uh, referred to him. They called him my dear demon. Uh, <laughs> they, they made all sorts of references that were w really, you know, demonstrated who this guy was, and not only to them, uh, but to their entire family. His son called him my dear devil. His wife called him a, a wicked knave. And, and, you know, this guy's uh, favorite writing was by Johann von Goethe, and of course it was Faust. And uh, the his favorite character, and this is Marx, his favorite character in Faust was Mistopheles. Now, Mistopheles' most famous statement in Faust was, quote, everything that exists deserves to perish, end quote. You know, Marx, you know, he he was so filled with vitriol. He hated Christians so much. He he embraced radicalism in such a way that it comes out in all his writings. You know, he was known for being in a helpless rage against the world. And so when when people talk about Marx and Marxism, like Alexander Solzhenitsyn, the, the Russian author, is saying that he so ins was so insidious, so hateful, that he wanted to destroy all religion because that gave hope to the people. And he wanted to replace that with a faith in government, big government under the elite, under uh, arguably the fascist Marxists uh, that eventually were to take over countries, whether they be the Soviet Union, Venezuela, or Cuba, or either you know some of the Eastern Bloc countries during the Cold War. My own stepmother, you know, escaped from communist Czechoslovakia. So I have you know firsthand accounts I heard about the insidiousness of the life that they had to live. And, and the book is filled with examples of real people 
what they actually experienced, not only in the Soviet Union, but all over the world, and even in a contemporary way today. I'm going to open up the phone lines in our last couple of minutes here. We've got about uh, nine or ten minutes left. If you're watching on the video stream, you'll see the phone number in the lower corner of your screen. If you're listening on the audio stream, it is 646-716-4041. We won't screen your calls tonight. We'll just uh, bring you on. You'll give us your first name and city, and you'll be talking to our special guest, Bob McGinnis. 646-716-4041. 4041 is the number and you can ask questions also by email and there's a few questions already in jim at christianmoney.com is the email uh, but i will take the callers first so if you call in you'll be bumping all the email uh, that i have here to read 646-716-4041 and our first question is coming in from a listener in dallas texas Um, They want to know, Bob, are you worried or concerned that there will become enough Americans that are on the dole that we can never get, uh, you know, the government back to conservative, uh, you know, control that that what they're basically asking? And and I've wondered this myself. Is there a, a possibility that like these universal basic incomes and so much money per child and you don't have to pay your mortgage, you don't have to pay your student loan, you don't have to pay your rent, that enough people will be in these programs that they'll be able to use that as leverage to say, don't vote for the other side or you'll have to start paying your bills again. Yeah, Jim, that's exactly what they have in mind. Uh, That's how every communist regime comes to power. They promise the world. They ultimately deliver nothing but misery. Uh, But yes, they forgive debts. They control the schools. They control the jobs. They control your income. They control your medical care. And and, and that's precisely uh, what the our regime is frankly doing today, and that's why I'm so concerned. The history of past communist regimes is exactly what we're seeing played out today in the United States of America. Uh, next email here is from uh, Chicago. They want to know, is communism like the same thing across whatever country they're asking here? Like, is Russia's uh, brand of communism the same as China's? brand of communism and is it universal that they don't like christians or they persecute christians well they always hate people of faith you know look at communist china you know the uyghurs in the western province not only are persecuted but they're imprisoned they're used as slave labor uh, they go after and destroy home churches, Christian churches, uh, Christians that speak out. Uh, the persecution is real. Even the Falun Gong, which is a faith group of sorts, uh, the Russians did precisely the same thing. So uh, people of faith that keep pushing back uh, ultimately, as we found, end up in a very um, desperate way if, in fact, the regime stays in power. So these things are not surprising. They will continue. Uh, And what do you think happened among the leftists in this country uh, on the COVID issue? They tried to shut down the churches. They tried to silence those that were uh, calling for people of faith to to work together. Your church is shut down, but Home Depot and Walmart can be open with more people in it. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, and that, our founders would roll over once again in their grave if, if they knew about that sort of stuff. But that is what we've seen played out in history, and that's precisely what 
if you look at the communists or the Democratic Party and you look at the communist organizations that support them and what they write and what they advocate, you'll see this is templated today. You'll see their strategies, which I outline in Give Me Liberty, Not Marxism, their strategies on how to do precisely what they are doing. And they're doing a phenomenal job. Unfortunately, a lot of us are being fearful and we're allowing this to happen at some point. If we're going to save the nation from the likes of these radicals, these true Marxists, we have to push back and push back hard. Now, what do you make uh, before I get to more of these questions? I have my own question here about these rhino Republicans where you're in these situations now where they're going to use reconciliation to try to push through some things. But yet we've got a number of Republicans going along with this. $1.2 trillion so-called infrastructure, which if you really dial down on it, like everything is infrastructure, like nurse, you know, paying for daycare is infrastructure. A lot of it is not infrastructure. It's not like roads and bridges and rebuilding the airports, which may be sort of a Marshall plan like that to rebuild our infrastructure that Trump was pushing for. That might have made some sense uh, on, on some levels, but still. You know, this is a lot of money to spend that doesn't seem to be getting a lot of consideration. But you've got like even, uh, you know, like uh, Cheney going over uh, to the side of of the Democrats. These are it's not like a slightly liberal group of Republicans. It's like somehow they've like gone over to the dark side. I mean, wholesale. What do you make of of some of these uh, like like Mitt Romney and, and, and Cheney and some of these others? Yeah, well, it's interesting. I'm talking to you from Wyoming, and I can say uh, with some confidence, Liz Cheney's not going to be reelected. Um, you know, and that's that. That's to her demise. But whatever the the nature of these rhinos who who have cashed in with the wrong side do appear to be on the dark side. There, I think they're on the wrong side of history. They're on the wrong side of what our founders would have in mind. And, you know, unfortunately, if the Republican Party, if they want to be at all credible, uh, they've got to show synergy. They've got to push back hard against uh, what's going on. The reconciliation bill, you're right, Jim, is full of pork barrel stuff that has nothing to do with roads and bridges and, and true infrastructure. It has everything to do with the leftist big government agenda to to try to co-opt the electorate and to, you know, really put everybody under the thumb of big government. And that's what Marxists always do. They promise the world and they deliver nothing. Now, someone's asking here another question from Dallas um, about this infrastructure bill. And is it really just like largely the New Green Deal? And they're asking about if this is how what this part this plays in like possibly communistic, uh, you know, philosophy in the future. You know, the idea of of all of this focus on like green energy. And I mean, we know economically these things have been studied and largely we're not there yet technology wise to be able to produce enough energy in the ways that they're suggesting for this to make good economic sense. I mean, I'm all for like R&D and trying windmills and these other things, but um, it doesn't make any sense the amount of money it would take and how much we would get back. And uh, does does this sort of, uh, you know, play a part in this idea of like, we'll just call it good for the environment and then just spend it in all these other like progressive ways? 
Yeah, I think so. You know, there, uh, there was a Canadian by the name, last name of Strong, who worked with the United Nations on the whole climate change mythology issue. And he pushed an agenda just in order to really, I'm using a term, great reset. Now, the great reset wasn't just about uh, what the World Economic Forum wanted to do, uh, and, and that is to, you know, really bring in a globalist agenda and at the same time uh, use a variety of mechanisms like climate change in order to wrestle authority and uh, really control over large swaths of our economy and our world. Uh, But that's what they've been doing, and they've done it effectively, and they're going to be doing it more. I think COVID-19 has been a good tool in their hands, much like the New Green Deal and, and other issues that are on the horizon. So overspending, you know, excess of $30 trillion, which, you know, just staggers the mind. Uh, and yet it's mostly spending uh, to ingratiate themselves to a population that seems to be gullible uh, to what they have in mind. You know, as you indicated in your monologue, you know, we have people that are avoiding getting jobs because Big Brother is taking care of them. Well, indeed, Big Brother is what is emerging in our culture today, and they're trying to control absolutely everything around us. And they're doing a very good job. We've got to wake up, recognize what's going on. And if we want to save our country, we have to push back and push back very, very hard. Lieutenant Colonel Robert McGinnis retired. I I know I'm supposed to say that, too. I want to make sure that people know how to get this book. I'm holding it up for those watching the video feed. Give me liberty, not Marxism. And then if you go to Amazon and you find this book, and you click on his name, which is highlighted in uh, the description of the book. Then it takes you to a list of all of the books. And so right now up there, I see at least three. There's Progressive Evil. There's Collision Course. Uh, then there's this new book, Give Me Liberty, Not Marxism. I've read all three of these books. I haven't finished this one yet. But uh, would would these all be like a trilogy, like somebody should like read all of these or are the other two sort of a little bit dated? I almost think maybe they could read all three of these books. Yeah, I would, I would think so. And I'd add to that uh, the deeper state because that's about globalism. So you have globalism, you have the progressives and their history and how insidious that is. Collision Course is about the moral implosion of America, which is really kind of – teeing up what I wrote in Give Me Liberty, Not Marxism, showing how the really the broad swath of history uh, of what Marxism is all about is taking advantage of the situation that we found ourselves in today. And it's driving a very uh, a very large stake in the heart of America. And if we're going to save America, we're going to have to uh, kind of revisit why we were a very prosperous, a very effective country uh, for many, many years. And all of a sudden, thanks to leftists and thanks to Marxists that have been embedded in our country, you know, arguably since the end of the First World War up to the present in a, in a major way, that these issues have to come to light. We see them in our schools with CRT. We see them at big government. We see them at a out-of-control border. We see it at crime in the streets and Democrats' 
fail to do what leaders ought to be doing. So these are these are all issues of consequence, and all of that material, you know, really is a it's a major effort to communicate where the world is today, and especially where my country, the United States of America, is today. And Bob, do you have, not that I mind buying another spaceship for Jeff Bezos <laughs> by sending you them to buy your books from there, but do you have like a direct website or a place people can go to connect with you directly or social media or anything like that? Yeah, I have a, a public Facebook page and I respond to inquiries there. Uh, or you can always communicate with Defender Publishing, my publisher, and uh, they will always you know, put me in contact with people that have questions. Yeah, Defender, they're also great. If people go to their website, they have all these package deals where a lot of times you can get like 10 or 12 books for like a good price and then you're buying it directly from them and you're helping the publishers and the authors out uh, by getting that money directly to them as opposed to going through uh, Amazon. Uh, Bob, thanks so much for being here. We sure hope you come back again soon and visit again. My pleasure. Thanks, Jim. God bless, sir. Thank you. You're doing God's work. Keep it up. Wow. That guy. I love that guy. I, I just he's. He just says it how he says it, you know, in this world where everybody, you know, mealy mouth like qualifies everything. I mean, not not Robert McGinnis. He just comes out and says it. And uh, it is fascinating. It really is. If you study history to see how this same kind of lie comes back again, you know, because you think that people would see how communism has failed and we would never have to go back there and have that. That bad meal again. <laughs> Let's we don't have to go back to the same restaurant we got food poisoning from. Uh, but yet we forget. And that's, I think, one of the tragedies of people not studying history and the same lies work. Uh, you just skip a couple of generations and then you tell people you, you can have everything for free again and you don't have to work and people buy into it. I mean, it sounds good, right? And and I mean, this is the devil's lie. I mean, the devil has has a great uh, sales pitch uh, until you start looking at the details. They say the devil is in the details. That's right, because if you don't look at the details, you don't know what you're getting into. And you can just see it because when you look around you, I mean, just look at what's happening when everywhere you go, there's help wanted signs. But yet all these people are getting unemployment. How can anybody feel good about that? I mean, if somebody legitimately can't get work or they have a, a medical situation, I mean, who could be against uh, a social you know, safety net to help those kind of people out? I'm for that. I, I think most Christians would say, yes, we're for that. But this is getting to be crazy. And when you start looking at what's happening at the gas pump over three bucks, over four bucks in some places, when you start looking at the price of things in the grocery store, I mean, I'm fortunate financially that I'm not a big coupon clipper. I'm not I don't have to go to like the bargain grocery store and, you know, really. But even though I, I have uh, the financial ability to pretty much buy what I want at the grocery store, I'll tell you, I was up there today and I, I picked up a couple things that I put back on the shelf because I just said, I'm just I'm not going to pay that much for that item. And noticing the shrinking sizes of the boxes, the shrinking portion sizes uh, in the restaurants and the prices going up and everything. Um, you know, uh, I could go for a mean tweet right now and a dollar seventy nine gas. I'll just leave it at that. I, I I could go for a mean tweet 
and uh, a buck seventy, buck eighty for a gallon of gas, and uh, uh, to be able to go up there and you know buy you know uh, a big bag of chicken breasts for ten or eleven bucks, I'll take a mean tweet. And 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 uh, a big bag of chicken breasts, uh, you know, for ten or eleven dollars. I mean, I think, you know, I hope I, I really hope that God's wisdom will flow into people's minds, that people will be given wisdom by God and we'll see what's happening before it's too late. Because I don't know, there, I just I worry that we may have reached that point where there's so many people in on this bandwagon of all the free and all the free stuff and the not paying any of the bills and all this COVID money that's being handed out. Uh, I don't know where it ends and I don't know where we pay off this, how we pay this debt off. I mean, we're, we're like way, we're, we're like talking now we're North of 30 trillion. That's not even all of our unfunded liabilities, which if you could put that in there, we're probably talking 200 trillion. I think a lot of economists are saying all the unfunded liabilities. I don't know. I mean, what what are we leaving to our children and our grandchildren as far as a future obligation? And some people say, don't worry, because the government could just print money to pay all this off. And then that's when you're, you know, dozen eggs is, is 20 bucks. I mean, that, that that's where that's where it all ends, because there is no free lunch and you can't suspend the law of math. I mean, it it is what it is. Two plus two equals four, whether you're a Democrat or a liberal Marxist or you're conservative, it's two plus two is four. And that's sort of the reality that people deal with. All right. That's another show in the can. Join us next week. We'll be back here talking about Bitcoin in our guest segment. Uh, look for a new episode Wednesday Q&A. Q&A, go there to JimParisRadio.com, leave your question, have a chance to win a box of books, and look for the first Q&A episode, which will be not video, just audio, and just dropped on all of our podcast feeds, uh, as well as it'll be on the the live stream for those people that want to listen to the replay stream. Thanks so much for joining us. God bless. And remember, if it's Sunday night, it's Jim Paris Live. So long, everybody.